You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're glad that you're listening to America's Web Radio this afternoon. And uh, we've uh, this is Do Facts Matter? And we've got... We do have Mr. D'Agostino on, just, uh, and he was a professor, but, uh, the other D'Agostino is having problems coming into one of our lines, so we're gonna go ahead and start. Uh, Joseph, welcome to America's Web Radio. You've been on many times, and, uh, we're always glad to have you on, and, uh, uh, look forward to your comments. Your, your father has been telling us a bunch about, uh, uh, the predictions that you made earlier, and uh, I think we're on a very slippery slope, to say the least. So, welcome to America's Web Radio, Joseph. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, my father is supposed to host today. Hopefully, he'll be joining us shortly. I'm uh, he is Robert. I am Joseph D'Agostino. I'm a former law professor and. Um, now working on a political legal book that I'm tentatively calling Abolishing America. So I think what we want to talk about is, again, as usual on this show, my father likes to talk about, is uh, politics and uh, the future of the country and and the trends. Um, I have been predicting the end of America as we know it by the year 2020 ever since the year 1990. So for 30 years... Of predicting the end of America as we know it, and uh, maybe it didn't really come to an end last year, maybe it did, depending on how you look at it, Um, but certainly the trends are uh, very negative for how America is going politically, uh, culturally, and economically now uh, with the COVID response. Yes, that's true. Uh, I'm on, uh, Joe, I've been able to uh, get on, and that's quite true. Uh, I have been an optimist compared to my son in terms of the future. And uh, I, I no longer am. I, I this, despite what uh, what my uh, uh, friends say, and even my my dear wife Joseph's mother, who who thinks that uh, what's happening now is a rerun of the 1960s. Because the, the 1960s, uh, the disputes were put in political terms. Now, and Joseph will expand on this. It's really a religious war. Uh, I discussed it last week on the show, and progressivism is a religious doctrine, and it's a totalitarian religious doctrine, and it's at war primarily with Christianity. And it, and it must prevail, just like in a fundamentalist Islamic country, Islam prevails, and uh, non, non-Muslims are discriminated against in the areas of India, which is fundamentalist Hindu, uh, both Christians and Muslims are discriminated against big time and even violently attacked. Well, we're having the same situation here. Southern Poverty Law Center routinely lists conservative Christian organizations, excuse me, Christian organizations as hate groups. Uh, the Bible is a hate document. Uh, never mind that uh, uh, separation of church and state, render unto Caesar, but that which is Caesar's is, a, is very, very Christian. Uh, and it actually... Uh, implicitly uh, Jewish, but uh, uh, explicitly Christian. And then what we have, uh, equality. Equality is, you know, Paul's letter to Galatians. Uh, in Christ there is no east or west, no male, no female, no master, no slave. Uh, all, all one in Christ. So I, I think uh, Christianity is, is the basis of a lot of uh, the rights that people claim to 
to, to be entitled to, and they are entitled to. And that is going by, because certainly, certainly the progressive movement has no use for equality, none whatsoever. They've substituted that the word equity, and be careful of that word. And no use for separation of church and state. It's a totalitarian religion. You have to think, act, and say exactly what the progressives say, or you are canceled. And if you're canceled, it's about the same as being a heretic. Uh, you're not allowed in polite society. Uh, Joe, why don't you take it from there? Well, there may be separation between church and state, institutionally speaking, and, and have different rulers of each, but there's no separation between religion and state, because all states have to operate on the basis of a religion. Right? There has to be religious dogmas propping up the state unless it's governing purely by raw power, purely by force. But states don't govern that way. They can't govern that way for very long because states can't survive against the people who are much more numerous than the ones who rule the state if those people do not at least implicitly accept the legitimacy of the state and the state's authority. And that authority has to rest on some sort of religious belief. It's not a, it's not a scientific belief, of course. It's not just a purely factual belief. It's not a philosophical belief because no philosophical belief is really strong enough to, to tell a man, you must obey this other man, right? You must do this, right? I'm here, I'm the king, or I'm the president, or I'm the local police officer, and you must do what I say, right? Why is that? I mean, other than, again, the raw power, like, you must do what I say, or I'm going to shoot you, or take you to prison, right? If there's something other than raw power, it's basically a kind of theological belief that says there's something higher than your will, that binds you to my will, right? That you, you know, we're both men, but you have to obey me because God said so, or because there's some sort of divine sanction or something like that. It's it's always dependent on some sort of at least implicitly uh, religious uh, worldview to say that the government ha should have and does have legitimate power over you as opposed to just factual power over you. So, um, and then the question, of course, then is, uh, what religion? So one of the tricks they say the devil pulled was uh, the best trick he ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist, right? So the greatest trick uh, the devil pulled was convincing people that he did not exist. So I think one of the, the greatest tricks that the left has pulled, anti-Christians have pulled, is saying that politics and religion are separate or that government and religion are separate. And this enabled them to replace Christianity with their own religion, which, of course, they don't call a religion. They call it philosophy or political ideology, or, or they just say it's morality. Morality demands that, you know, you have, we have same-sex marriage, and morality demands that do you not be allowed to express what we consider hate speech, right? And it's really a religious system uh, that they want to impose on everyone while they pretend that they're liberating people from all religious systems to do as they wish, right? It's just not the case. I think if you look at, at leftism, I think it's become much clearer, right? It's, it's, it's always been this way, but a lot of people have not seen it before in this country uh, or not recognized it for various reasons, but it's becoming clearer now that leftism is a religion of domination, it tolerates no dissent. And this, this includes liberals, by the way. I'm going to just say liberals most of the time because I, I don't see the distinction between liberals and leftists as really meaning much. I don't think it ever really meant much, and it certainly doesn't mean much now. 
So liberals, uh, liberalism is a religion of domination. Um, it does not tolerate any dissent. It doesn't even recognize the, the distinction between religious authority and political authority that traditional Christians have with the separation of at least the institutional church and the institutional state, as uh, suggested by our Lord in that passage, and as suggested in the ancient, uh, among the ancient Hebrews, where, where Moses was a religious leader, uh, Moses was the political leader, and Aaron was the high priest, and in most societies, those were one and the same, right? But now politics and religion are the same, because it's a, that's totalitarian. You could actually define totalitarianism that way, I suppose, that politics and religion are the same. Uh, and you must, um, you know, it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist, right? You had to actively do what they say. Silence is violence. It's not enough to not say the things that they don't like. You must actively say the things that they want you to say, right? And uh, it always, every pr- personal thing has a political angle to it. So liberalism is a religion of domination. It uh, pretends in a hypocritical way that, that, that liberals pretend about everything uh, to to not be a religion, but it, but it really is. And I don't see what, what, what could be, you know, you have to have same-sex marriage. It's the right thing. And why? Who said, right? Why is that? I disagree. I think philosophically it makes no sense. I think scientifically it makes no sense. Religiously it certainly makes no sense. But they say you must have this, or you must have transgenders in the military, or uh, we must have discrimination against white people, even white people who are, who are guilty of anything, right? So, you know, that's, I think, the definition of racism. So, you know, we all know that liberals are, are very racist. and uh, But it's rooted in these religious dogmas. We must do this, we must do that, and you must obey, right? So they, they put themselves in a place of God saying that you must obey, right? So in the traditional Christian view, uh, political leaders are supposed to be enforcing not their own wills, but the will of God, right? You're supposed to be governing society on the basis of uh, divine law and, and scripture and, and so on, not just whatever you feel like, right? And of course, left, uh, liberals have this, this separate thing, and they, keep, they seem to invent new dogmas every week, uh, but I think the dogmas, uh, there's a consistency to them, right? There's the, one of the consistencies to them is they're always anti-Christian. Uh, they attack more and more aspects of Christianity. Uh, they attack more and more aspects of human nature. Fundamentally, liberalism is an anti-human philosophy dedicated to the destruction of the human race. And I do not think that's an exaggeration, right? They are anti-family. They uh, don't recognize biological sex. They hate people coming together in community. They're now, governments are now telling people they cannot see their own family and friends because of the new, uh, very mildly dangerous uh, virus. And it is mildly dangerous. Uh, and uh, so on and so forth. So uh, I think it's an anti-human philosophy dedicated to the enslavement of the human race and, in fact, to the uh, dehumanization of the human race. And these people often say things like there's no objective truth and science is white supremacist. Two plus two equals four is a white supremacist assertion, right? I'm not making, not making these things up, right? And we can see in the, you know, the smaller things of what the new president, uh, if you'd like to call him that, uh, Joe Biden is doing with abolishing tens of thousands of high paying jobs immediately in the middle of this recession and pandemic, uh, pursuing all kinds of other things that are extremely bad. Uh, for people uh, supporting teachers' unions or opposing reopening public schools uh, uh, and uh, a whole host of, you know, of other things that, that are just extremely negative and either don't benefit anybody or who benefit a very small number of people at the expense of a very large number of people who have done nothing wrong. 
Today, you know, we see things like um, Kevin Kleinsmith, who faked an email to investigate Carter Page for political purposes to help the Hillary campaign in 2016 get probation, while the Biden administration is prosecuting uh, Douglas Mackey, uh, who used to post under the name Ricky Vaughn in 2016, for posting obnoxious memes uh, and jokes, and they're prosecuting him, possible sentence of 10 years, where this Kleinsmith fellow, who, who deliberately faked this email, to get a FISA warrant that shouldn't have been allowed and, you know, so on and so forth, right, as a government official, gets probation. And so I think it's very systematic. I think it's very out in the open now. Um, and I think people need to recognize, you know, the show is called Do Facts Matter. I think people need to recognize that rational arguments, persuasion, facts are simply not at stake here. That's not what's important here. The class of religious visions, they have their religious vision, Christians and others have a different religious vision. We're not going to convince each other to change our minds. So if we stay in this one policy called the United States of America, it's a war to the death, and one side will literally kill or imprison and enslave the other side. That is... Well, let's, uh, Joe, that of course uh, there are some uh, people on the left who are advocating that. And one of the yeah. really interesting yeah. things, yeah. One, of, one of the things is kind of... Uh, they're building this idea that the that there's a right they're right wing militias who are dangerous who are planning insurrection that they say of course we have no evidence that that's going on but it might happen and yet they ignored what Antifa did what BLM what Black Lives Matter did in looting burning rioting Turkey talk about insurrection that was an insurrection that was a pre revolutionary insurrection and. Where have the right wing wingers, uh, so-called militias, uh, where where have they looted? Where have they destroyed? And I got got this big email about uh, you know uh, startups by minority startups, and they talked about you know um, not enough minority startups, but there are 170,000 new startups over the last two years of minority businesses, but then neglect to say that their side, Antifa. Black Lives Matter destroyed hundreds of minority businesses by looting, rioting, and vandalizing. And that doesn't count. None of that counts. Correct. I, I, right. I, I used to believe that white liberals genuinely wanted to improve the lives of, of black people, but were just misguided about it. I no longer believe that. It is not possible to believe that white liberals or liberals in general care about the lives of black people. In fact, they hate and loathe black people. It is the only explanation. One explanation is supporting the riots and looting over the summer. I would like to know the name of one black person whose life was improved by the Antifa BLM efforts, right? Other than a small parasitical class of black activists are being paid by white liberals, uh, who, which, which black person in America was benefited by these riots? When they burning take a down break. the local businesses, burning down the only grocery store in the neighborhood. Violent crime is up 50%, 100% in some of these big cities now, right? And of course the victims are overwhelmingly black of these, these, uh, violent crimes and murders, right? So they've lost money, they've lost their businesses, they're losing their lives, and has not helped a single actual, uh, disadvantaged black person or any other disadvantaged person, right? That's perfectly obvious what was going to happen when as soon as the riot started, and then, of course, is what is actually has happened, right? So we have to see what we're dealing with here, right? We're dealing with a movement based on hatred, based on destruction, 
based on accumulating all power and wealth for itself. It will use anything, riots. We need to uh, take a break. uh, Or anything else to advance its goals. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's just a new uh, study out that indicates that Trump was, of course, right about hydroxychloroquine being very effective in terms of, especially if given early, in terms of controlling mortality. And yet the left, the left was vehemently opposed to the use of hydroxychloroquine, despite early indications and, and by a number of doctors. And in fact, the uh, Facebook and and the r- Twitter and the rest of them even took down uh, uh, websites or t- took down posts that advocated or or even by doctors, people who were who were experts in the field, talking about their their use of that uh, hydroxychloroquine as a successful uh, early treatment, and they were banned from the internet. And you you wonder exactly why? Why did this happen? Well, I don't think it, I don't think it's a mystery. Once you give up, right, on the idea that the people in power are honest, straightforward. Care or caring, right? Once you recognize that the people in power and the government and academia and the corporate media, etc., uh, do not care about truth, they care about advancing the goals of their of the rulers, the ruling class, uh, increasing their wealth and power, or destroying any institution or person that might get in their way, whether it's church or family or just an individual honest man. Once you give up on that and you start looking at the evidence objectively you will see just how incredibly corrupt and lying uh, everything is. Everything in America, as the kids on the Internet say, everything in America today today is fake and gay, right? And so the HCQ saga is a great example of that. HCQ has been used for 65 years to treat or prevent malaria and some other things, and it is considered an extremely safe drug. I mean, obviously it has side effects and bad effects on some people, but that's true of aspirin, right? It's true of anything. But overall, it's an extremely safe drug. It's been approved for a long time for children, pregnant women, uh, and so on, right? And so uh, at the beginning of this, when they, when that, some people were talking about using HCQ in combination with zinc and maybe some other things to treat or prevent uh, COVID-19, they had all these articles about how it's dangerous, it's a dangerous side effects, a dangerous drug. It's, it's a complete lie, right? This is a very well-studied, long, 65 years' worth of data, right, on this drug. And um, they even had a fake study. The Lancet is one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world. And they did a fake study. Uh, they published a fake study. Um, saying that HCQ didn't work for people with COVID and was dangerous and people with COVID shouldn't take it. And I had to retract this study, but only after this and another fake study were used to frighten people into, and, and including doctors into not prescribing HCQ, right? So how does the Lancet get hoodwinked into publishing this fake study? The answer is it didn't, right? The answer is the people on the Lancet are crooks. Uh, and they work for the rulers, and uh, they were told to publish a fake study to, to, to scare people at HCQ. Uh, they published the study, frightened people, and then, of course, later quietly retracted the study after it just became too untenable to continue to pretend that it was real. Um, and it's still on their website, by the way, with the words retracted kind of stamped across it. Uh, you can take a look at it. So, But why would they have done that, Joseph? Why would they have published 
a fake study that cost people their lives. Well, it's the same reason they did everything else with this uh, pandemic, right? There are measures that everyone knows works and everyone would agree works to combat a, a viral pandemic. Such measures that everyone agrees works, everyone knows works, are included vitamin D supplementation uh, for just about everybody in America uh, because we have an epidemic of low uh, of vitamin D deficiency. Other supplementations such as zinc and vitamin C, getting a lot of, spending a lot of time outdoors in fresh air and sunshine. Uh, that's another great way to improve your immune system and reduce the spread of respiratory virus. Uh, changing your diet. We know that some foods depress the immune system and other foods increase, you know, improve immune function. So, um, and also another advantage of all these things are the things that you would want people, if you cared about their health, to, to make permanent changes to doing, right? You want them to have these good new habits, take vitamin D, take other vitamin supplements, get a lot of exercise outdoors in the fresh air and sunshine, uh, improve your diet, lose weight. These things are all things you don't want people to do temporarily. You want them to do permanently. And everyone, like literally as far as I know, every single expert of every school of thought in the entire world agrees that all these things work and they're healthy both to combat a virus and in the long term. But what did our health establishment choose to do? They chose to, to focus on things that don't work uh, or at the very least have no proof that works. Wearing masks, right? Lockdowns. Stay home, stay safe. No, no, no. You, you don't go inside closed up to avoid a respiratory virus. You go outside to avoid a respiratory virus, right? So the lockdowns, locking people together in their homes um, uh, and uh, wearing masks and if you think that you're protecting yourself or protecting others, these things do not work. These things make them, it works. Wearing masks makes it more likely you will get sick. It does not prevent other people from, from getting sick, but even if it does, even if you accept the data that wearing masks protects other people, other people other than the wearer from getting sick, even if you accept that, that's more than outweighed by the increased risk of the wearer getting um, sick because he's basically wearing a Petri dish against his face, right? And viruses and bacteria and fungus build up on that as well as the uh, build up of carbon dioxide and so on. So even if masks work to protect others, it's more than it's tremendously outweighed by the increased spread of the virus and other diseases to people wearing the masks, right? And the lockdowns make things worse, et cetera. So they also went after all the effective treatments for COVID, HCQ, and you know, I think there's Invermectin, and, you know, these other things, right? Because, and the only conclusion is, is difficult is to accept and people understand is the powers that be wanted people to get sick and die. They wanted the pandemic to be as bad as possible. They did not want people just hopping on and taking HCQ and zinc, uh, et cetera, to protect themselves because you can take it prophylactically to prevent you from getting it, as well as if you take it when you do get it, it works very well as you start taking it early enough. Uh, they did other things well, like... Uh, What's that? Well, Joseph, you know, a lot of that sounds very conspiratorial, except for the fact that during the pandemic, some of the major corporations, the real big ones, the Internet corporations, Walmart, uh, Amazon, uh, Facebook made trillions of dollars of extra money. There was a huge transfer of wealth upstream to these companies. So I said huge at the beginning. Yeah, I said at the beginning of this, back in late March, early April, when they were first starting with the lockdowns. I said, "This is going to make the ultra rich um, even richer." Right? And people were telling me, "No, no, everyone's going to lose money. This is very bad for business." No rich person wants this. 
this is going to be bad for for everyone. It's it's so they can't there can't be a conspiracy here because even the ultra rich are going to lose money. Right. And I said no. There's going to be a gigantic wealth transfer from working people and small businesses to the richest of the rich, not even just rich people, the richest of the rich. And of course, we now know with certainty that that is exactly what did happen. It, this was not an accident, right? This was part of the plan. The only way you do not encourage people to do the things you know work, like take vitamin D and exercise outdoors, and focus on things that don't work or at the very least are not proved to work, such as wearing masks and lockdowns, is because you want it to be you want it to be bad. You're, you're, you're doing you're doing this to be to, to kill people. Same Don't. explanation behind the orders of Governor Cuomo, Governor Whitmer, Governor Newsom, requiring nursing homes to take COVID infected patients into them so the COVID would spread to other nursing home patients. There's no other explanation, but they wanted to mass murder people and make the pandemic. Gentlemen, we've right got to take a break. There isn't any other explanation. We're going to take a break, and we'll, well be of back. Course, uh, uh, by the way, you, Dag. What yeah. is that, uh, David? Is it time for a break? Uh, yeah, we passed up one, so we're going to take this one. But I do want to throw my two cents worth in. Uh, there was such a hatred for Trump that anything he said, the left was going to come out opposed to. And that was uh, HCQ and everything else. Anything that he uh, was in favor of or said that worked, the left was going to argue that it wasn't, and that's why they went so far as to uh, uh, hit the journals with false information. We'll be back right after this. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino, back with Do Facts Matter. And uh, leading off the show was my son, Joseph. And we're talking about the current prevailing religion among the elites in this country and that, and who have sold it to a lot of other people called progressivism, an anti-Christian, 
anti-Western civilization, religion, and as I explained last week, a pretty primitive one at that, with their sacraments, infanticide, their myths, their magic. Boys can be girls, girls can be boys. Uh, the myth of, uh, of uh, systemic racism. Uh, I don't know what system they're talking about. It's very hard to say. If they say, well, the whole system, you know, what, what do they mean by that? Give me some evidence. Well, there is no evidence. That's why it's systemically racist. So anyway, um, and, and that's literally what they're, what they're saying, okay? Uh, so uh, we're back to, to what, what seems to be a, a, a fight to the finish in terms of the future of this country. And in power now is a, an administration that is completely committed to this progressive religion and is imposing on the country its various uh, policies, uh, both to increase fear. You know, I think a lot of this anti-hydrochloroquine business was to increase fear. Uh, there, there wasn't a treatment, nothing could be done. And the secondary effect of that was, of course, increased deaths. But uh, I think um, uh, I think we're in a tremendous uh, a problem now. Uh, Joseph, what do we do? What do we do about this situation? Uh, we have a, an administration completely committed to this religion. So before I get into that, I want to I want to just point out a couple of other things about HCQ and, and the, the establishment here, because I, I understand that some people find the claim that it's deliberate, deliberate mass murder, to be very right. concerned. So one thing I'll point out to you is what Nobel Prize-winning scientist Dr. Kerry Mullis said about Fauci and co., okay? So he said this pre-COVID in a, in a uh, documentary, so he's on video, he knows he's, 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 he's being interviewed, etc. so he said this very deliberately. Like I said, it was pre-COVID, right? It was before all this happened. And you can find the clips on the Internet. It's, it's no secret, right? So this is a Nobel Prize-winning scientist, Dr. Kerry Mullis. You don't get any more establishment than, than being a Nobel Prize winner, right? So not some conspiracy theorist and some dark horn Internet. So Mullis, uh, one of the things Mullis has said in the past, too, is that uh, Fauci was completely wrong about HIV causing AIDS. HIV does not cause AIDS, and right? Fauci actually uh, mass-murdered, whether deliberately or accidentally, we can call it, I'd say mass-killed tens of thousands of people in this country because of his phony theory of what causes AIDS. So Mullis says HIV does not cause it. So Mullis says in this, uh, in, in this documentary, he says, Fauci doesn't know anything about anything, and I would say that to his face. He later says, Fauci and the others who run the federal public health bureaucracy do not understand public health. Public health is not their agenda. They have a different agenda. Okay? So if you don't want to take it from me, take it from Dr. Mullis. Okay? And there are other top experts in the world who have said similar things. All right? The, the, the agenda of Fauci and the federal public health bureaucracy is not public health. Right? It's something else. So you ask yourself, okay, what is that something else? Um, HCQ specifically uh, has been used in India with great success for COVID. It's been uh, one reason why they think so few people in Africa have died from COVID, despite having some very large cities with terrible sanitation and so on, is because so many people take HCQ for malaria or to prevent getting malaria, right? So HCQ has been being used for months in foreign countries with, uh, in combination use with other things, uh, with great success, right? So it does have a very good track record for COVID as well as these other diseases. 
And uh, but they kept it away from people here, right? As well as these other uh, drugs that have been shown to be effective, right? So as for what we do about it, I think um, first thing we have to recognize the situation that we're in before we can recognize the, the solution. And I think, you know, rather than sort of being despairing, I think we should recognize the opportunity God has given us to create something new and better in the future, right? To sort of escape from the decline that America and the Western world has been in now for decades, really centuries in, in, in a spiritual sense, but certainly very strongly for decades, very quickly since the 1960s, right? A, 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 spy, a downward death spiral. You know, we have to escape from it, right? So one thing we need to recognize is, you know, there's this partisan where you think partisan thing where people think Republicans are better than Democrats, and, and that's that's really only marginally true. Right? The, the same people fund both parties, the same people control both parties. Uh, they're part of the same big club, right? As George Carlin put it, it's a big club, and you ain't in it, right? And so the idea that typical Republican is going to do anything is is just not it's not really tenable, okay? So well, wait, we had one who tried, right? Didn't you, Trump tried? And look, look what it got him. Well, I'm not. I don't think Trump was the real deal. I think Trump was actually trying to protect the establishment from populists, um, and that doesn't mean he didn't do a few good things, right? I think he did do a few good things, but I don't think he was truly the reformer people thought he was. Right? He was more of a, a holding pattern type guy, and uh, now he's gone, right? So um, the fact is. Uh, the real rulers of the country are not the politicians anyway, right? Presidents, uh, middle management did that, okay? So I think one thing to do, we know that voting doesn't work very well um, because uh, various things, including the fact that just steal elections. Um, also, there's going to be the amnesty of illegal aliens. We'll get millions of new voters uh, in the next year or two. Uh, so we have you know, a big problem with that there. I think we need to recognize that really separating, partitioning the country is the best solution. And this can be done legally, constitutionally, and peacefully, right? So I'm not talking about secession. I'm talking about a legal, constitutional, and peaceful partition of the nation of the United States into several independent sovereign nations through negotiated settlement with the federal government, with other groups, or through a constitutional convention or amendment approved by three-fourths of the state legislatures. And then progressives can have their own part of America, and liberals can have their own part, and socialists, right? If black nationalists want to have their own independent country, they can have their own independent country, right? Uh, and I would want there to be an American Christian nation, right? a separate nation called the American Christian nation, which is explicitly based on Christianity, will be the official religion, will be the official guiding philosophy of the state, uh, and we will not have to debate many things because we will have clear answers. There'll be no usury. That is, there'll be no lending of money at interest unless the borrower profits from the lent money as well as the lender. Right? We're not going to let people get into debt servitude. We're obviously not going to have same-sex marriage or abortion or anything like that. Right? And we're not going to listen to people denigrate people on the basis of their race or denigrate Christianity, etc. I think this American Christian nation should be based on basically two principles. One is return to normalcy, right? Pro-family, pro-work, right? Um, uh, low crime, we're not going to tolerate crime. You know, this return to normalcy. And secondly, a reach for greatness, right? Because I think we, we, we can have the potential. We, we should be doing things like building a Florence or building a Rome or building a Venice on this continent. Why don't we have cities as beautiful as that here? 
why don't we have art and music and architecture as beautiful as they have in uh, Europe, right? What, why can't we be doing this? Why can't we establish a colony on the, on, on the moon or on Mars, right? We should be doing these things instead of inefficiently wasting resources, engaging in ludicrous, endless foreign wars, uh, diversity quotas, fighting amongst each other, letting financiers monopolize money, you know, unproductive people monopolize money, whether it's financiers in New York or welfare queens in Detroit, whatever it is, right? So uh, I think the American Christian nation can be uh, a, a nation on this continent that can be like the greatness of ancient Rome or the greatness of medieval Paris or the greatness of Renaissance Italy. What's stopping us? If you think about it, I'm talking about things that have already happened before, right? Except for the colonizing, you know, the moon or Mars, right? These other things have all been done before. We can do them. The coming chaos and tyranny is the opportunity to convince large numbers of people to do something like this, to engage in a project of, of normalcy as, a, as our basis and greatness uh, in the 21st century. But I think the idea that we're going to reform the current system, that we're going to sort of take on the establishment and overthrow it in general, I think is very difficult. The, the fact is... Uh, Half the American people support the system, at least half, right? When they, uh, when they, um, give amnesty to millions of illegal aliens, as they promised to do, they're going to have a lot more supporters who, you know, these people may not really understand what's going on, but the fact is that they're going to vote Democrat and they see the government as a source of, of income or, you know, welfare payments or something, oftentimes. Um, they're, they're told that white people hate them and want to enslave them, so they, they're afraid of white Americans and, and, so, and so forth. So I think the idea that we're going to sort of take on this gigantic entrenched system and defeat it, I think is very, very difficult to see that happening, especially seeing that happening in any kind of peaceful way. I think a much more likely alternative, even if it's not that likely, at least a like, much more likely alternative is that the country can break up and different cultural and political groups can go their separate ways, live as they please, and leave each other alone in peace. Well, I think there's a number of people who are now looking at that, including I know you are with some research that you're doing right now. And talking about unproductive people, of course, unproductive people, by and large, of course, support the Democratic Party. And Wall Street, people understand that the Democrats are the party of the wealthy, particularly the wealthy who don't produce anything. Uh, you know, in the old days, what were they called? Rent seekers. And the, the biggest rent seekers you can possibly find are hedge fund managers who produce absolutely nothing except money in their own pocket. And I see what's happened, kind of a, a revenge of the ordinary investor, which is going on right now in Wall Street, and the question is not what they're doing, because obviously <clears throat> we've got a couple of hedge funds that have taken you tremendous losses. Now, <clears throat> quite obviously, they want to be bailed out. And since they own the Democratic Party, they expect the Democratic Party to bail them out. What's going to happen there, Joe? Is the Democrats going to bail them out? I expect so, right? So the biggest news from this week is the whole GameStop uh, controversy, right? right. So, right. A bunch of, um, might be involving millions of people, uh, perhaps, of just regular retail investors, saw that uh, Melvin Capital, a big hedge firm, had shorted the stock of games, GameStop. So when you short the stock, that means you make money if the stock price goes down, right? 
Uh, so obviously, Melvin Capital, the you know, big hedge fund, wanted the stock of GameStop to go down. Well, well, they did. The average, they did what's called they did what's called naked shorts, which means if they had to cough up the stock, they didn't have it. Right. So they didn't actually own the stock. Right. So a lot of people say short selling is just absurd abstraction. It shouldn't be allowed. I mean, you can't. It's kind of like selling something you don't have. Like you can't sell a car that you don't have. You can't sell a house that you don't have. But Time taking for a, a short break. position is kind of like selling stocks that you don't have, right? So why should it even be legal? But anyway, it is legal. And so what the, the retail investors did is put on what's called a short squeeze, right? And so they bought the, the lots of them bought a little bit of the stock, right? They couldn't buy nearly as much as Melvin Capital did or, you know, the equivalent of, you know, buying negative numbers of shares like Melvin Capital. But if you put a million people together or negative together, then they can buy a lot, right? So basically they're driving up the price of the stock and sucking money out of Melvin Capital, right? The, the by, uh, by raising it so that when the price goes up, the short seller loses money, right? Price goes down. Right, because he has to, because the short seller has to, he has to, when the call is made and when his delivery terms are met, he's got to produce the stock. And right. if you don't have the stock, you've got to go out in the market and buy the stock. Dollars a share, and you don't have it, and, and it comes time to deliver on your promise, and the stock is $300 a share, which is what happened, and you went higher than that, of course, then you lose an awful lot of money. Right. So they have to cough up the stock when it's time to settle, right? Time to deliver the settle, which I believe is later today. In fact, I think it expires when the market's closed at 4.30 today. Um, and of course, their intention was they weren't going to need to cough up any stock because the stock would have gone down in price and they would have made money. Um, but since the pro- this, uh, I haven't checked uh, recently, but the stock has been going up overall. Um, I last read, this was yesterday, I think, that, that, that Melvin and other uh, um, big financial institutions had lost $70 billion, right? $70 billion just over this, right? And they've been putting this yes. short squeeze on other stocks that have that big players that put large short positions in, like AMC, right, the theater chain, movie theater chain, and, and some other stocks, right? So what's very interesting about this First of all, seeing people revolt against Wall Street, finally targeting, right, um, uh, the actual people who actually cause problems, right? You see a lot of right-wing people, libertarian people, other people, going after people who aren't really causing problems. You know, they, you know it, it's, it's really kind of ridiculous, right? Um, so, but now they're actually going after the big guys on Wall Street who really do deserve to be gone after. And so it's nice to see the actual target lining up with, with problem, right? Well, uh, well, let me just say this, just to clarify something. This is a very important point. If, whether you understand short selling and, and, and the short squeeze and calls and puts and what have you, the whole idea of the big guys is to bleed money from ordinary folks to take advantage of many, many millions of ordinary folks to enrich themselves. So this whole idea of forcing, uh, manipulating the market by short selling is a device used to ensure losses by ordinary investors and to enrich the the big guys wealthier than they already are. So it's a device to essentially rape the ordinary investors. Right. So that's usually how it works. Obviously, very wealthy, sophisticated people like hedge funds can can 
you know, you know, suck money out of other very wealthy, sophisticated people. But that's generally speaking very hard, right? Because you're dealing with wealthy, sophisticated people. It's much easier to suck money out of ordinary people who don't really understand what's going on or not paying attention because they're working regular jobs, don't spend all day in front of a stock chart, and that kind of thing. So if you can steal uh, $10 from 2 million people, you've just made $20 million, right? You know, if you steal $1,000 out of 2 million people, you know, it's that, you know, each from 2, two million people, right? So you can, you can make a lot of money this way. Um, the problem is, now, thanks to social media and um, and technology in general, right, um, it's just a, a wonderful thing to see that ordinary people can organize the same way that hedge funds and big banks are organized and work together, in fact, um, to to make money and, and take it from the big guys, right? And, in fact, GameStop is up 52% today. Uh, so, hmm. apparently, the courts are not winning, right? And it's just up tremendously for the whole week, I think. But it's just up um, tr- tremendously today. And, yes, still up tremendously for the whole week. So at the end of the day today, the, you know, they're going to have to cough up the money, which which I think they're going to get from Citadel and some of their other backers, right? But eventually, the federal government might cover their losses as the federal government bail, bails out the big guys over and over again, as we have seen, right? So... I think this is huge for two reasons. One is it's introducing more chaos into the system and seeing people revolt against the system, which I'm fully in favor of. I'm fully in favor of all nonviolent revolts against the system because it is so oppressive, it is so negative, and we need to basically break the system so that we can leave the system, right? We can declare an independent nation that's based on actual productive labor, right, and not financial speculation. Uh, that honors families and communities, that is pro-Christian, that is not racist against white people, and so on and so forth, right? So I'm fully in favor of uh, stirring sand into the gears of the system in any and every nonviolent way possible. So this just shows the ability to do this. Uh, The second thing is it's creating a huge systemic problem in the markets because even though, of course, they censored the main group on Reddit off the Internet on, be- on behalf of, you know, the hedge funds, right, obviously. And, you know, a lot of the brokers just suspended trading in these in these stocks to try to protect the, the big hedge funds and banks. It's obviously not working. And it's really going to be very difficult to prevent people from communicating because freer countries, people with more, you know, countries with a greater dedication of free speech in America, such as Russia, for example, have these platforms that Americans can use to communicate with each other. So unless you just literally stop Americans from communicating with each other over the Internet, this kind of coordination can always continue, right? And needless to say, stopping people from you know, talking to each other over the Internet would, would basically destroy our country at this point, right? People are so dependent on that. So the Wall Street and uh, the government officials that they own, like Joe Biden and Jan Yellen, are facing the choice. Are we going to try to stop people from coordinating? If we can't do that, if that seems very unlikely that they can do that, then how are we going to not continue to lose billions of dollars? So in other words, this might force Wall Street to undergo some major reforms, such as outlawing uh, short selling, which would be a wonderfully positive thing for the average person. Yes, of course. It's particularly, uh, uh, at least they can start with outlawing, outlawing naked, naked short selling, which means uh, stocks are being sold when the, the sellers don't have the stock. 
because they don't really expect to ever have to uh, produce them. So it's a very interesting situation. I have a, a course I'm teaching on business organizations, and although this isn't directly related to the basic uh, uh, legal issues involved, I'm going to frame a special <clears throat> problem for them to work on next week based on what's going on now and based on uh, them learning about short-selling calls, puts, short squeeze and stuff of this sort. Uh, I think they'll find it interesting. At least I hope they'll find it interesting, but who knows nowadays. The students uh, are so deadened by technology, you don't know what interests them anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, think... I- yeah, it can be difficult, yeah. especially when you're not actually seeing students in person, but it's all through the Internet, which is not, you know, nowhere near creates the kind of community that can be created in person. No, I agree with that, especially since I've been having so much trouble with Zoom. I don't know uh, how people's experience are with Zoom, but mine has been quite negative, and I don't understand why, and I've complained, and nothing seems to be done about it. Because, oh, you don't have enough bandwidth. Well, I increased my bandwidth from 10 megabytes per second to 150 megabytes per second. It didn't do any good. Uh, my Zoom connection still is faulty. And so I don't know what's going on. And I don't know if the, and I don't think the problem's a computer, because when I hooked up with a student's Zoom connection, everything went well. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. But anyway, um, uh, technology is technology. I, I think that, I think that we are on a far more serious downward spiral than people really believe. And I do think that Biden is going to accelerate it. And the question is, accelerate it for what purpose? And probably to, to, to I think, collapse the entire system. But the idea that Saul Alinsky and Clovid and Priven said in the past, you got to destroy everything, collapse the system, and then you can rebuild from there and forget right. about issues. So that's that's the danger and the opportunity, right? So there's a supposedly the Chinese proverb: every crisis contains an opportunity. Um, I have a feeling that white people invented half of these so-called Chinese proverbs, claimed they were Chinese or something. But uh, I think it's true, right? So here's the problem: they they want to create the chaos. The powers that be want to create the chaos in order to justify imposing their totalitarian Marxist tyranny police states, right? So you see how they had a few protesters going to the Capitol. They didn't deliberately kill anyone. They did only minor property damage, didn't burn anything down, unlike Antifa BLM. And they have this 26, they moved 26,000 troops into Washington, D.C., right, and so on, right? So they take any excuse to increase power to militarize, right? And, of course, one of the Freemasons' mottos is dissolve and then reassemble. So I think that they want the chaos so they can then use that to transition to the totalitarian 1984 Marxist state, right? Uh, and, and by the way, they've now said that the militarization of downtown D.C. is going to be permanent, right? So the government is obviously creating a fortress for itself to live inside for them to then send out their troops and et cetera to tyrannize the American people. So this coming chaos is a great danger, right? But it's also the opportunity for rival tribes like Christians, rival groups, Christians, anyone else who doesn't want to be part of this tyrannical and corrupt system uh, to organize and separate themselves, right? So I think what 
Christians and people who want to live in a Christian society, whether they're Christian or not, you don't have to be a Christian, in my view, to live in the want to live in a Christian society, as long as you support the Christian nature of that society. To move to which is also areas. known as Western civilization, Western civilization, which has given us scientific advances, which has given us the freest uh, country country on the face of the earth. It's all a uh, Western civilization is based upon Christianity, which of course stands on the pillar of uh, Judaism and and uh, uh, philosophy, Greek philosophy. But but we have we have Western civilization, and there's never been a civilization like it. The closest, of course, was was China, the Middle Kingdom, before China decided to have centralized all authority in the Mandarins and the Emperor. And then the, kind of a, an early socialist experiment, which completely destroyed China as the advanced nation uh, in the face of the earth. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we didn't talk about the militarization, you know, until now, you know, Rarely talked about the prosecution of political dissidents like uh, Douglas Mackey, Ricky Vaughn, um, the incredibly negative economic decisions they're making. They're going to try to force people to take an experimental vaccine, right? So on and so many other things are happening, right? Um, so I think Christians and, and others who want to escape from the system, uh, I think it's basically a three-step process. First of all, first of all, you have to. Recognize you want an alternative and know what that alternative is, right? So my alternative is the American Christian nation, right? Um, and, and detach yourself sentimentally from the United States of America as a whole. Recognize the Constitution is not going to make a comeback. It's dead forever. Uh, and that half of Americans, at least, probably more, are, are, you know, part of the, you know, support the system over any viable, positive alternative. And just detach yourself from the system. You don't be emotionally or philosophically invested in it, Right. Second thing is to move to deep red areas. Mountain West is probably best, maybe parts of Appalachia. Uh, so you can live in, you know, at least for a few more years in relative freedom and prosperity, hopefully, um, and uh, making, you know, establish communities and make connections. And then step three is, if necessary, which I think it probably will be, you want these states, these red states, you know, I don't know, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, maybe, um, to separate from the rest of the United States become an independent nation to live according to their own principles, which I think as the chaos and poverty rapidly increases, got one minute. Have a much more viable possibility than it seems right now. Well, of course, California has the highest poverty rate in the country, and uh, some people think that uh, a lot of our uh, problems would be solved if California would go bye-bye. Gentlemen, we need to wrap it up. Yes. Well, uh, I don't know that that's going to happen um, because they control so much, right? But I think yeah. see, my business, my business partition the country would mean that everyone gets to live in the kind of country that they want, right? So Gentlemen, in the old-fashioned sense of the word, my vision is a liberal vision because my vision means everyone gets to live in peace under the kind of government laws that he wants. Okay, we, right? we've got to wrap it up with that. I'm sorry, but we're running out of time. Okay. Uh, Joseph, thank you. Robert, thank you. And uh, we'll be back next week with Do Facts Matter? You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.